I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is an advert for... um. For if you want Seb to be your boyfriend, um, come and get it, ladies. <laughs> I'm just gonna, hey, ladies, yeah, do you like boys with tiny penises? Oh, yeah, do you like boys who live on a boat? <laughs> Sail me away, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this, Goats, the singular greatest podcast on earth, presented and hosted this week by me, Sebek, also hosted by Vinny and Mork. On this noble podcast, we have a single quest, to commit to the never-ending search for the greatest of all time, and sometimes the worst of all time, and sometimes we do a top six. Now, you're going to hear some pretty crazy shit this episode, okay? Stuff that's going to really twist your melon. And if you can get down with that, if you're cool enough, if you've got enough riz to cope with such high fluting fucking shit, why don't you think about it? Did you write that down? No, I ran out of momentum. I went off script and then I ran out of momentum. If you have enough riz to cope with our crazy crazy ideas why don't you think about subscribing to to this why don't blah, blah, blah. why don't you think shut up why don't you think about subscribing to this show on your podcast player of choice or check out youtube for the video version where mork says naughty things also if you're real minted chuck us a fiver on patreon but you don't have to anyway with that out of the way how the hell are you guys doing? And not you, the listener, you can't respond. But I do care about you a little bit as well. Doing great, mate. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm glad to hear it. What have you been up to? I hate that question. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, um, let's, let's, f- let's stop asking each other what we've been up to and instead ask ourselves. Let's ask one politically jarring question a week. So I might say... Michael, how do you feel about puberty blockers? 
And then you... No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is officially the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> um, no, because, right, here's the, here's the rules of puberty blockers. You either... Um, with that out of the way, um, does anyone have anything to talk about this week? No, nah, I did loads of drinking on the weekend. Uh, I went to a, a, a rave, which was uh, good fun. Just like dance for like six hours, listening to like house music. It was just incredible. Nice. But um, toward, towards the end, like I, I last half an hour, I made the mistake of looking down at the floor. And holy fuck, it looked like no man's land in like the First <laughs> World War. It was just like fucking grime, like fucking wet mud everywhere these cans everywhere just like baggies and just fucking all this type of shit yeah it's not good never (laughs) look down never look down yeah it's like all this it was just really muddy like way muddier than you would have expected for like an indoor rave like it was like a club used condoms seeping it's just all the it's all the dirt from the bass coming off the speakers it's just (laughs) it's the filth yeah yeah yeah, absolutely filthy drop mate. to be fair absolutely i did go to filthy. a to a dnb night in um in bristol once where it was like under a railway arch and it was like genuinely a bit soggy because like it was like leaking that, oh, yeah. was probably, that was probably the filthiest drum and bass i've ever seen in my life like, it was <laughs> soggy nice. soggy drum and bass. Yeah. <laughs> you were like move, moving extras like that because it's in the uh like the viaduct in the in the key and so it's like a cir- like a semicircular building, and it's fu- not very big either. And there's like plants growing on the wall because it's so damp and moist, and then everyone's sweating. And the, the walls are actually like so- soaking wet. If you touch the walls, they're like clap. You get clammy hands, it's like condensation want, from mate. sweat. Clam, and, like, mate. It's so good. It's so good. Come out, there's like dripping. Like ah, oh, mate, fucking good night, mate. <laughs> well, Vinny, you said you were dancing for like six hours straight. Um, yeah. with no performance enhancers, which is pretty impressive. Um, just a lot of tinnies. I was just, just, a lot I was just drinking a lot of beer. Um, I, I, was, I was fucked by the end, to be fair. <laughs> but you could call that almost a sporting achievement. Mm. Um, speaking yeah. of sport... No, you could. No, you could. You could. <laughs> you could. Dancing, I guess, is a sport. Dancing's a sport. Maybe. If you want it to be. I mean, don't make it a sport. I thought it was a performance art. Depends. It depends. Well, I'm doing it. I'm fucking winning. I win dancing. <laughs> when I start dancing, people get off the dance floor. That is how good I am at dance, right? right. I have completed dancing, okay? Yeah, yeah I've seen you. Gold medal dancing, mate. <laughs> Sports, seen by many as the peak of human achievement. Since we first shuffled out of those dimly lit caves thousands of years ago, it's been incredibly important to know who can lift the heaviest rock and who can run the fastest in a straight line. Since then, things have progressed to who can lift the heaviest metal bar with some other bits of metal on the end, and who can run the fastest in a straight line whilst jumping over some tiny little fences. But the quest remains. Pit human against human and see who comes out on top. And in this never-ending quest to find the peak of human fitness and athleticism, there have been some incredible, some emotional, some gut-wrenching, some heart-lifting moments. But which has been the greatest? Non-footballing related. There's only one way to find out. Who wants to go first? Can I go first? Yes, you can. Nice. M- more can I, I use my? Like look- can I use I my like executive look- veto to veto? No, I don't like that little smirk you've got going on. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
I haven't got any smirk. I was... you've put, literally, the first thing Mark messaged me, you, we all agreed. We went, oh, we're not doing anything football related. And I get a message like five minutes later, it just goes, Istanbul 2005. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. That was good though. I don't even know if that's the greatest footballing achievement, but anyway, greatest footballing moment. moment. I don't think it Pretty is. Pretty up there. Nah. 3-0 down at half time to fucking that AC Milan team, mate. Vinny, you seem prepared, excited. <laughs> you seem say, prepared. Some oh, I aroused. seem... I seem excited. <laughs> Vinny, you seem prepared. Let's see if that work has paid off. As you tell us, within roughly 15 minutes give or take what you think the greatest sporting moment of all time is okay so like it or not politics has and always will be a part of some of the biggest sporting occasions examples like get it out of football Are you quoting someone there? <laughs> it's just everyone ever who's on Twitter and everything going, you know, every time like the World Cup in Qatar, mate, politics shouldn't be in football, mate. It's about kicking a ball and that. Stop talking about politics and that, mate. It's like, no. Mm. Yeah, Vinny's right. It's important. He's going to tell us why. Shut the fuck my, up. My... My favourite was when I saw um, when the, the post announcing that Mason Greenwood had gone to Getafe and someone under that put, keep politics out of football. And it's like, there's nothing political about that. That's different. He, he, he beat a woman up. There's yeah. no politics there. <laughs> yeah. You fucking loser. Yeah. You He's a rapist. He's it's a rapist. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get political, the politics boys. out of things. Yeah, it's so, fucking hell. Fine. He's still a rapist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True, true, true. Anyway, Vinny, um, prove all those fucking Chelsea fans wrong. Well, I wouldn't say I'd, I'd necessarily agree that it should be in sports. I'd, I'm just is. saying that it, it it will always be in sports. It yes. always has been in sports. I mean, I, I gave you some examples like Saudi Arabia starting up, was it the LIV Golf, Live Golf? Oh, yeah. Live Golf, yeah. Yeah, like a competitor to other professional golf tours. The PGA um, Tour, yeah. As well as obviously paying big money to get those washed up superstars of old in football to uh, the Saudi Pro League. Uh, yeah, so politics, it's in sports. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's always going to be there. Um, another example is, and although it's not really a sport, it did show up in the politics and sports Wikipedia article, so <laughs> it, it half counts. but Gets a mention. Chess was also used as a vehicle for, like, a political vehicle for, like, the Americans mm. and the Soviets to sort of mm. showcase to the world whose ideology was really the best, like, the left, the East versus the West. Um, but it wasn't just with chess that these two global superpowers f- flexed their philosophies on how to run a country. As, in the majority of the 20th century, the biggest stage in world sport with the most eyes on it globally, was, of course, the Olympics. So during the Cold War, you had Americans refusing to participate in Soviet-run games, and then Soviets also refusing to participate in American ones. So anyway, Nazi Germany was set to host both the Summer (laughs) and Winter Olympics in 1936. (laughs) 
This is this is this the second episode in a row or something where you just go so not no the you did it in the art thing as well. You're like art 1936 movement, yeah. Berlin. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The Nazi just out of Nazis nowhere. Out of nowhere. I just so anyway, sporting moment. The Nazis, right? <laughs> I just couldn't fi- I couldn't find a way to link those two like the introduction <laughs> to like what I want to talk about. So I just went straight to Nazis. <laughs> you did that last time. You know what? It's shocking. It, it gets it gets people engaged. It does, yeah. <laughs> Nazi Germany. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Clip Can that. you pog Clip that? that? I don't. I don't know if I want to pog that. <laughs> Poggers. That's it. It's good. I just say it gets it gets the people nah. excited. <laughs> if, if if anything's not pog, it's the Nazis. You know? <laughs> yeah. Can we all just? Can we all just? <laughs> yeah. Should on three say we don't like we're not we don't like the Nazis. In, in like fifty years' time, textbooks are going to say. Hitler had quite a lot of riz, but the Nazis weren't that pog. (laughs) (laughs) He used his riz to convince the German people the Jews weren't that poggers. It's undisputed riz. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Nazi Germany. It was set to host both the Summer and the Winter Olympics in 1936, which, fun fact, that's the last time a single country has done done that both, you know yeah. both, both olympics in one year <laughs> they've stopped now because people tend to go on a killing the spree. winter olympics because there ain't no snow there's loads of snow in germany there's the german yeah. alps yeah oh in yeah. the bottom bit oh yeah yeah get it done mate fucking idiot this would be their major showcase to the world that its regime was just simply the best simply the best of course have, sorry i know i'm interrupting again but can we have like a <laughs> montage of simply the best with just hitler salutes no <laughs> this is we, what we can't do all, all right i knew this would happen i talked about the nazis you'd get excited and start yeah. having hitler right live on stream <laughs> exactly I knew this would happen this is why you, whatever you pick this is why you picked it just so you can win sev over <laughs> As soon as you said that, I saw his eyes go like, he's like, wow. But what if he ends up like proving that the Nazis aren't all that? That'd be lame. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, around the time of 1936, this was, you know, at the the point where most other countries in the world were pretty sus of Mm. the Nazis. And, you know, they're pretty... Not okay, extreme ideologies. And so much so that there was this massive call for all these like Western countries to basically just boycott the summer games. Mm. And this call was sort of seen by some as throwing rocks in glass houses, as in the US they still had apartheid at that point, so they can't really mm. say, ah, oh, stop mm-hmm. being so racist, Nazi Germany, when they're extremely <laughs> racist back home. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to remember that sort of stuff too. Um, but to combat these potential boycotts, Goebbels, who I'm, guess- I'm guessing everyone knows by now, yeah. Yeah. Um, devised a devilish plan. He would invite a US sporting representative to the country and guide him around Berlin to show the US that the Nazis were just a bit misunderstood, really. And of course, you probably guessed that the visit was extremely curated and a very cleaned-up version of Mm. Nazi Germany. The Nazis removed all of the anti-Semitic posters that hung around the city of Berlin. 
made sure that the brown shirts were never seen and even threatened some of their Jewish athletes into lying about how, you know, all the anti-Semitism stuff is, is, it's like only like, what's the word? It's, it's like blown up bigger than it. It's hearsay. It's blown up bigger than it is. It's not really a bad thing, but yeah, they were like, obviously they threatening these, these athletes as like families and stuff. So Mm. they were kind of forced into saying this stuff. And the plan worked perfectly for Goebbels. And so the American was so thoroughly convinced by the curated visit that he told the press when he came home that it must be some sort of Jewish communist conspiracy that is giving the Nazis such a bad rep. Yikes. Damn. <laughs> y- yikes, indeed. Yikes. That's crazy. And also urged the US to participate in the games. Seeing America part- saying you know, giving the green light, participating in the games. Every other country, it was like a domino effect. They said, if well, of America, they're, they're, they're saying it's all right. The Nazis, like, we can do their thing. They're not as bad as people think. Then they must, they must be. It must be fine. So the show went on as, as normal. There was no one, uh, no, no nations were left behind. Mm. So now with the whole world's eyes on the country and its regime, the Nazis would put on a huge spectacle. They'd start by building an entirely brand new Olympic village for the athletes to be housed in. They built a brand new 100,000 capacity stadium, which I've actually been to. It's fucking huge. Um, and it would, not, that would, it would even be not only the first Olympic Games to be televised live, but the first ever live event to be broadcasted full stop, like on TV, oh, that yeah. is. yeah, I knew that actually. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. The first live broadcast ever is just Hitler yeah. and the opening ceremony. Crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not only all of those things, but the Berlin Games would actually be the first Olympic, the first to make use of the Olympic torch relay, where they take it from Athens mm. all the way to Berlin. Fucking hell. Yeah, they did a lot of new stuff with this shit. They were very much like... We need to make this wicked. Yeah, put a lot of money and resources into making this, making us look as good as possible. It's crazy thing. So when we were all like buzzing with like the relay in like London 2012 and stuff, the Nazis started that. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the Greeks the Greeks started it, but... The Nazis made it popular the again. It though, and, yeah. The Nazis brought it back, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. <clears throat> When the, final relay, when the final relayist made it to the stadium and lit that flame in front of all those people, the entire crowd erupted in awe and cheer. The Nazi propaganda machine was working. Dun, mm. dun, dun. But it didn't count on one thing. You see, it's probably, you know, everyone probably knows this by now, but I'll give some context anyway. The Nazis were obsessed with this idea of the Aryan master race. That being tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white people were just about superior to every other race on Earth in every way. Well, despite Germany winning the most medals over the course of the Games, I think their points were double that of America's, which were who, who, who came second. It wasn't a young German Aryan who stole the show at the Berlin Olympics. It was a poor black American who would end up being the talk of the event. And his name was Albert Einstein. 
<laughs> Jess Jones. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Oh my god, I just have this image of like Albert Einstein across like a ribbon, like finish, like, <laughs> like his face, like <laughs> running under like 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy to sprint. Oh uh. my gosh. <clears throat> so yeah, Jesse Owens, not Albert Einstein. The, the name of the fellow I'm talking about finally is yeah. Jesse Owens. Yeah. So, born in Alabama in 1913, Jesse Owens was the grandson of American slaves. He lived in a home. He lived in a home with his parents and ten siblings growing up, and they were so poor that at one point, when Jesse was nine years old, he got diagnosed with having a benign tumor on him. The, the family, being so poor, they couldn't afford a doctor to surgically remove it. So his own mother chopped off with a kitchen knife. Oh my god! Oh, brutal. <laughs> that is savage. Yeah, nine years old, and Ooh. I mean, I guess it saved his life. Like, holy oh, shit, god. though. Yeah. Well, benign means non-deadly, but still. Oh shit! Savage. My bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, it's still savage. Weight yeah. reduction came unuseful in a couple yeah. of years. No, uh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> if it's benign, I guess it's fine. I don't know. If it's benign, <laughs> if it's benign I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know what you may have accidentally stumbled on a real saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel I I actually recall I I think I recall hearing something similar. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um. So yeah, like whilst at school, he would take up track and field. Um, and as it turned out, he was pretty good at sprinting but not only sprinting and this is what's quite crazy but jumping too i feel like nowadays you don't see this but like top top athletes like usain bolt or whatever like the real Mm. top top guys in like sprinting 100 meter 200 meter you know relay they're not doing long jump as well are they like long jumps are completely different they're they're doing a they're doing like heptathlon or something like that yeah Yeah, the guys who are like multifaceted yeah they'll do like the heptathlons the triathlons all that kind of stuff where they'll do like heptathlons like what a run javelin they're kind of pretty good at everything but the real top competitors in each individual category they literally they only do that to become the absolute peak of that one particular i do think that that like that heptathlon thing is i i find that the most impressive like do you remember that london 2012 where jess ennis was just fucking like Mm. great at everything it's like, but they won't hell. yeah like i think if you compare like the records of like a heptathlon javelin to an actual ja- like to the actual javelin there's like a big difference in the oh, yeah, distances that they throw but it is still really impressive that they can do all of them within the space because well, they're like, like an all-round couple athlete, days yeah 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 they're like very very good at everything which is cool yeah but yeah jesse owens was just literally top of the game in both On jumping and Crazy. sprinting which is, is yeah. nuts i think was it long jump or high jump uh, long jump. Cool. Long jump's the one with the sand, right? You jump, yeah, mm-hmm. you forward, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, although that time it was apparently it was called broad jump, which is an interesting fact. Of course I guess. it was. Of course, <laughs> yeah. It's very nineteen thirties. So it was a broad jump, yeah. my good sir. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was really good at sprinting and jumping at high school. He'd break all the all the records, and this would attract scholarships from colleges all over the U.S. But Despite him going to Ohio State uh, University on this scholarship, it wasn't a fully paid scholarship, so he still had to essentially work odd jobs whilst at right. like college and whilst like 
doing track and field and like he had a had to support his new young family as well with his like new wife as well so my god a lot of stuff going on for this guy a lot of stuff but long story short by age 22 jesse owens is considered the greatest runner and jumper in the world at that point he would lead the american track and field team to the berlin olympics where he would be the star and as it turned out, not only was Jesse a huge star in America, being considered the first ever black American to actually be fully accepted by most white Americans, like as a celebrity and a hero. Right, yeah, yeah. But also, he was celebrated just as much in Germany. He was, without a doubt, the most hyped athlete going into the games. And boy howdy, did he produce. Jesse would... <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. <laughs> every, time, every time I was writing Jesse for this, I was just thinking Jesse. Uh, I was gonna say, how has only one Jesse come out <laughs> so by now? So, um, Jesse, Jesse, <laughs> Jesse would take home four gold medals, and this would be the one in 100 meter sprint, 200 meter sprint, uh, 100 meter relay, four times 100 meter relay. All that means, and yeah, as we were saying before, broad jump or. As as the kids like to call it nowadays, as you youngins like to call it nowadays, uh, long jump. <laughs> the Riz <laughs> jump. <laughs> yeah. Poggers jump. High poggers. <laughs> Breaking Olympic records in the process. He was so beloved by the people that even Hitler, who would later refuse to congratulate other black American athletes' achievements at the, at the Games, was actually uh, apparently enthusiastically waving at him after he, like, won... won <laughs> Won these things. He was enthusiastic. I mean, coming from Hitler, that's probably quite. Yeah. Like, so, I, I don't mean to be a knob, but that actually is Riz. Like, having the charisma and the star power to turn the head of the most notoriously fascistic and racist man ever <laughs> to be like, oh my God, it's Jesse Owens. Yeah. That's insane. That's crazy. That's insane. I do wonder if it was because he was just jacked up on meth the entire time. Because it's like, oh, yeah. you can see yeah. like the images of him. The like, videos video of him where he's like, he's literally just like stimming fucking nonstop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine how sick those Olympics were for him? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh my exactly. god, like, I was fucking rapid. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's 100,000 people here. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> so, he won all those things, did amazingly. So I'm just going to uh, say um, what kind of happened in the long jump, because that's kind of the most exciting part. So, to qualify, how it worked still, was to qualify as a finalist in the long jump event, each athlete had to complete three jumps and the best of those three jumps you know if that was a good enough score they would then get into the 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 top eight or top ten whatever it is jesse did a practice jump where he kind of just like didn't really jump properly he sort of fouled it but in some miscommunication that was actually taken as his first as his first proper jump and it was taken as a foul oh His, his second jump would also be a foul so he's down to his last jump, mm. and it really looked like he might just foul, simply just foul out. Now that is until his main rival, the German Luz Long, gave Jesse some pointers on how not to foul. This would work as his third would be good enough to qualify. 
In the finals, they would go toe-to-toe, with Luz even breaking the Olympic record on his third attempt. But Jesse Owens pulls a fucking worldie out of his ass. It's Real Madrid. It's the Champions League. <laughs> they, they've got an XG conceded of, like, six at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and on his sixth attempt, he would reach 8.06 metres, breaking the Olympic record and sealing another gold medal. And a show of sporting camaraderie, Luz Long helped Jesse up after this incredible jump and then paraded him around and cheered him along with the crowd, celebrating his achievements. A German doing that with a black American in front of Hitler. Yeah. Also, the, just another thing, the guy who does the long jump for, for fucking Germany is called Luz Long. Luz Long? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Luz yeah. Long does long jump. He's born to do it, well, he was... but not... Broad jump, I guess, at that time. Oh, they didn't shit, they didn't know yeah, his potential. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's insane. Not the Liz Long. So yeah, like you said, like doing all this stuff in front of the Nazis, um, obviously pissed them off. Pissed them off quite a lot. Um and although Hitler I think like Jesse Owens apparently said that like he wasn't snubbed by Hitler, he was actually snubbed by the president at the time, Franklin D. Roosevelt, because he didn't even send him a telegram or even officially congratulate Jesse Owens to, to really? like his death, which is pretty fucked. Whereas, like, at least <laughs> Hitler enthusiastically Jesus. waved waved at him, fucking jacked up on meth in the, <laughs> in the crowd. Although Hitler never officially congratulated him either, because um, uh, getting into it uh, too much, but basically. Um, he was he he was annoyed at other black Americans doing really well in other things, and so he didn't congratulate them. And then when the Olympic one of the Olympic representatives came down and was just like, "Right, you either congratulate all of them or you congratulate none of them." And so he was like, "Right, I'm out. I'm congratulating none of them." So right. <laughs> he just he d- he didn't get to congratulate. He Jesse doubled Owens. down. Mm. It's probably the worst thing Hitler's ever done. It's an awful thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, bad, anyway. But, uh, to, so, whilst this was all happening, Hitler also hired his favourite director, and this is a woman by the name of Leni Riefenstahl, to, to essentially just, like, film the games and make, like, a director film about the, mm. the whole games as, like, part of this propaganda project um, show, show to the world. And, obviously, Jesse Owens was the star of the show, and so she was very much like, right, I need to make him the star of the show. I need to like prominently show Jesse Owens because he was the face of the Olympics. And apparently Goebbels got into loads of arguments with her because it's like, no fucking way are you putting a black American, you know, when yeah. we as like the front run of, of, of our Olympics, when like the Aryan race, you know, the Germans, we're like the master race and all this, like we should be front and center. But because she ha- was you know, pretty good friends with Hitler. She, she got the last, you know, last say in it. And the, like the Germans won as well, right? Yeah, no, the Germans. The Olympics. The Germans. Like they really smashed well. it. Yeah, so you think a, sh- a movie about Germany's Olympics would be all about like why even mention Jesse Owens? He came second mm. effectively in the team. Like he's a fucking loser effectively. But I guess he was such a massive figure as a person 
that you needed yeah. to be like front and center. Yeah, that's crazy. And he won. He won four gold medals. That's still like yeah, that's exactly. A lot for that's one nuts. person to win. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm I'm saying like from their perspective, they're like, oh, you know, USA fucking lost. We don't need to show him. But that's the thing. He was so big. Winning those yeah. four gold medal, four gold medals, like was so massive that he needed to be like the poster boy. <clears throat> so that's why I think Jesse Owens at the 1936 Berlin Olympics is the greatest sporting moment of all time. It was a poor black American whose lineage had been enslaved by white supremacists, showing up in the very heartland of racism and bigotry and putting on a show so great that even their leader applauded, and thus crashing the idea of a single master race is all a goat sporting moment needs. Smiley face. Damn, smiley face. Did you actually write a smiley face at the end of your script? No, I didn't. Or did you I, I, write I smiley lips. face in brackets? Brackets, <laughs> bracket, smiley face. <laughs> I sometimes do that. Like last week when I said presentation and I said it in a French accent, I put in brackets French accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, that is hard to argue with, to be honest with you. Um, fucking hell. I mean, you know. It doesn't get much bigger than sticking it to Adolf Hitler, really, does it? Like, That's not messy yeah. winning the World Cup, but... I mean, but that is the thing with sport, isn't it? Is that, like, objectively, that is really hard to beat. Like, it's almost fanciful now. The idea that fucking coming back from 3-0 down in Istanbul would be on the same level as someone, you know, sticking toppling it to an ideology. Toppling, mm. toppling an ideology is just absolutely mental, really, isn't mm. it? It is crazy. What was he celebrated when he came back to America? Yeah, yeah, the people loved him. It was just the president, Franklin Lee Roosevelt, never publicly congratulated him. You know, I think there was still like definitely some racists in America who didn't like him. Fucking hell! Wow, damn, that is incredible. What a story! And it's actually a story I don't think I really fully understood. Like, I kind of think I thought I knew how it went down, but I don't yeah. think I really like had much of an idea of like what. What actually happened? Didn't you yeah, ask that some same. crucial details though? What about didn't he meet a guy, a bald guy with a mustache? <laughs> Did they go on some hijinks <laughs> in uh, America? Uh, in, yeah, uh, they 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 made some some blue some blue ice candy, some, some blue sugar, <laughs> some blue sugar candy. Yeah. Well, off the back of that really poor joke. Um, <laughs> I was going to do a middle bit, but we interrupted so many times. The record's already quite long. And to be honest with you, my middle bit wasn't worth much hack. Um, so I was wondering how we'd feel about just cracking on with the next, the next segment. I can do the middle bit, if you'd like. Hello, listener. As it turns out, the middle bit was cut. This is because Seb went to the toilet and the bands was so not pog. But if you are poggers, then head over to the YouTubes and you can watch this episode in its more unedited glory. Anyway, peace out, homies. Stay true. Roll safe. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the greatest sporting moment of all time. And we've only heard half the story. Morky Morkinson's. Mm. What do you have to say that isn't about football? And why are you smirking <laughs> like that? Because I, I can't wait to find out. Oh, uh, well... <laughs> Firstly, I love sports. I always have and I always will. 
the competition, the athleticism, the skill, the determination, the intelligence. Sports is just... Mwah. I love it. So picking a great sporting moment, that's a fucking big one. Obviously, ignoring football, there's just a couple that I can think of. Bolt triple triple. Three consecutive gold medals in 100, 200 and 4x100 meter relay in three consecutive Olympics has never been done before. That's crazy. Super Saturday, which is actually my birthday, August the 4th, 2012, where Team GB won five gold medals in one day and three of them came in the space of 44 minutes on the same day. London 2012 was fucking good, even though Vinny says it wasn't, and we watched most of it together, and he's a fucking traitor. I loved Except it. Except my best friend. I loved it. Ronnie O'Sullivan hitting a 147. I've already spoken about that. Five minutes and eight seconds. The fastest 147 of all time. Um, go watch the video. It'll only take you five minutes. And eight seconds. <laughs> you don't have to wink at the There's camera also... after saying that, by the way. <laughs> was a bit, bit, There's, bit, um... bit, bit, bit weird. There's also a bunch of great sporting moments, as I found out, from like the Red Sox and the Cubs, or like some Buccaneers, American teams and sports and stuff. To be honest, they're American sports, they're probably the only sports that I don't care about. And you did go for your NFL phase. I know, and then I mm. realised what I was doing. But I just, I want to say sorry to our American audience. I know there's a few of you. I'm genuinely sorry, but... It is unfortunate that the entire world doesn't give a shit about American sports either. Um, it's only America that cares about NBA. So NBA well. is like a pretty fast-growing sport in Europe, like uh, basketball. Yeah, basketball's alright. American football, I just, I, it's the most boring thing on the planet. But you know, it's fine. They, they, they love it, and that's you know, everyone has to have their thing. There are people out there who hate soccer, not mm. me. Um, and so my pick, what is my pick? Let's get down to it. Well, it is easily one of the greatest sporting moments within the sport that it's from easily. And it's one of those that when you think of that sport, it just comes up straight away. You're like, yeah, bang. What about this time? Um, it is a bit of a niche one though. I've tried to pick one that maybe I'm is niche. I'm so suspicious right now. I'm so, <laughs> I can read your face like a book and something No, you is can't. I'm on. reading my script. But it involved some absolute heroes fighting against all the odds against a far, far superior opponent coming back to turn the tide of the game. In 2005 in the city of Istanbul... <laughs> Yeah, 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 where the yeah, yeah. mighty Liverpool <laughs> came back from 3-0 down. Okay, fine. <laughs> <I'll remember that. laughs> okay, right. Um, 2021, Lionel Messi. <laughs> Come on, mate. Okay, move it along. All right, real big. Come okay. on. Right. Cast your mind back, not that long ago, 2015. Leicester City are bottom of the Premier League. You're such a knob. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, for real this time. No, no football. This is, this is the pick. I promise. I promise this is the pick. And this one involves one of the greatest sports persons of all time ever. And I think everybody would have him in their top ten. 
with some ranking him number one. And yeah, there's a definite, definite argument for that. And not only are they a great sports person who was in, who was the world's best in his prime. He was the best in the world in his prime. Cristiano he was Ronaldo. also a big, big personality. And he became a genuine superstar, which is incredible considering that all of this was before the internet. I'm talking about the legendary, the iconic, the absolutely loved, born Cassius Clay, but now known as Muhammad Ali. Oh, nice. nice. Well done. (laughs) Nicknamed the greatest. End of presentation. (laughs) Anyway. It's not the greatest sporting man. He's He's definitely the greatest greatest sports personality of all time ever, without a shadow of a doubt. He's the greatest. Probably. Yeah. He was a large personality. Oh, sorry. No, I've misaligned there. Um, Ali, actually, Seb, you've brought me perfectly because Ali was voted sports person and sports personality of the century. Yeah, I probably at the turn of that. the century. Was that by the BBC? He, uh, sports personality was BBC. Sports person was Sports Illustrated. Yeah, because I read on Jesse Owens, he was in the shortlist for that. But obviously, didn't get they it. Didn't, <laughs> Ali did. didn't get the number one. Um, nah. But um, he won gold at the 1960 Olympics, aged just 18, and he turned professional that year. Now, he's not only famed for his fighting, though, because he was, as we said, a large personality. He would predict which round he would knock out his opponents in, and he would come out with some of the best quotes of all time. And I'll read you a few of my favourite ones from this fucking massive website um i am the greatest i said that even before i knew i was (laughs) fucking balls i done wrestled with an alligator i done tussled with a whale handcuffed lightning thrown thunder in jail only last week i murdered a rock injured a stone hospitalized a brick I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. You've got I'm to probably, do the accent. I don't know why I you're can, not doing I'm going to butcher it. I'm so fast. <laughs> I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit, suffer now, and live the rest of your life as a champion. Um, obviously, you've got fucking float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm so fast that last night I turned the light switch in my hotel room. <laughs> was in bed before the room was done. <laughs> I can't do his accent. But I'm anyway. so fast. He's kind of breathless where he talks. I'm so fast. He's like a he's got a southern accent, hasn't he? Because he's from Alabama somewhere. Oh, he's Alabama as well. So I think so. I was just Tennessee, but I could be wrong. Oh, it might be Tennessee actually. Ah. Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky. Um. But yeah, he's got some of the fucking best lines, not in sports, but like ever. Mm, yeah, I agree. Now, yeah, the beginning of his career, he went 29 and 0, famously beating the infamous and incredible heavyweight at the time, Sonny Liston, on the way up. Mm. But that year, he would refuse to be drafted into the military to fight in the Vietnam War making a stand against it, and he was found guilty of draft evasion, and he was stripped of all of his boxing titles. 
This man mm. fucking fought on the in the ring and fought for it what he stood for and for the adversity that came with it. He didn't give a shit. And he fought the case and he uh, appealed it and his conviction was later overturned after a successful appeal. But this meant that he didn't fight for four years, four whole years of his prime. Ali was completely missing. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real bad shame. It's a real yeah, shame. it was brutal. Yeah, and he came didn't back they... and he... Gone. Sorry, didn't they also offer him, like, he could have done the draft and they would have offered him, like, a thing where he didn't actually have to, like, go. He could have yeah, just they been, like, done. Yeah, they would have done. Yeah, but he was just like, no. Because he was just like, no, I'm not getting yeah. involved with war. Because it was like, yeah. he wasn't actually, it's not like he was even, he was, it was almost a bigger sacrifice because he, he wasn't, he was never going to have to fight. They probably wouldn't have made him actually carry a gun because they didn't make like famous mm. do it. They got like symbolic and they did like public service stuff. So he just purely on principles sacrificed everything. For his principles. Yeah. For his principles. Yeah. yeah. Which is mad and like just makes him this, this huge, massive character at this point. Um, but he came back, you know, after uh, those four years and he won the, the first kind of couple of fights but then he would lose to Joe Fraser, who was another massive heavyweight boxer on the scene. A loss that he would later avenge. But it was on the back of this avenge loss, and after all of this build-up in his life, that his career and him as a personality would reach the absolute peak and the goat sporting moment in his next fight. Ali was 44 and 2 and absolutely on top of the world. His quotes, his personality, his activism, his stands, his boxing record, he was one of the world's biggest superstars already. So, let's put him up in a fight against the undisputed, the undefeated, 40 and nothing heavyweight monster who also has a grill named after him, Big George Foreman. Interesting. I thought the George Foreman grill was different to the actual George Foreman, but no, it's the it's same George. guy. It's Big George. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he made, was making like $40 a month from that at his peak sales. Is that it? $40 million. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he didn't really even make the grill. This inventor guy who made the grill said, like, oh, it'd be great to have you as like a brand ambassador or something. So oh, yeah, he paid of course him, he didn't make the grill. <laughs> yeah, he paid $160 million to George Foreman to have his name and then royalties on top of that. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's the lean, not, green, the lean nice. was it the lean, mean grilling machine? Yeah, lean, mean grilling machine, yeah. Big George Foreman. Now, this bout would be called the Rumble in the Jungle, which was being fought in Zari. I think it's pronounced Zaire. Zaire. Which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Which is my next... Thanks, Seb. Which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. Was it Belgian owned at that point? No, they just got their independence. Ah, okay. I know. Um, 60,000 people would be live watching the fight in the stadium with a record-breaking 50 million pay-per-view buys. The fight grossed over $100 million, or adjusted to inflation, $600 million. That's nuts. Those numbers would make Mayweather weak. And this was fucking 1974. Hmm. 
But what about the fight itself? Well, Ali, he was known for his speed, skill and technique, with George Foreman known for his raw power, as Seb said earlier in the episode. It was thought he could punch a man and just they would be instantly killed. They would. Yeah. There was a rumour going around that if George Foreman punched you, your head would explode and you'd be dead. Wow. So this was a perfect matchup. And it was a massive surprise to everybody watching that when the bell rang, Ali, the smaller, faster, more technical boxer, came out fucking swinging, going for power and absolutely laying it on Foreman. But this tactic didn't prove that effective for very long because Ali just didn't actually have the power to put Foreman down and started taking some punches back himself, which obviously meant bad news if he's going to get hit. So, at the end of the first round, Ali knew he would have to change his style, he have to change up the fight and get it more on his terms. And he came up with a move and a tactic that would live on forever and will be debuted in this ring on this night. This technique was the rope-a-dope technique, where Ali would stay hugging the ropes, dodging, weaving, and taking small, non-significant, like insignificant hits as well. He would take a lot of body shots that he would kind of block with his elbows, a lot of shots kind of to the side of the head, but nothing really too damaging because he was just able to dodge and evade and stay on the ropes. Mm. And what this meant was that George Foreman would get knackered, fucking knackered, and every single time he would come in with a barrage and Ali would be dodging and leaning on the ropes. George Foreman would eventually stop punching because he'd be so tired and then a little opportunity would open up and Ali would come in with a quick, powerful flurry of punches to just lay on some damage to Foreman's body and face. And his face did, after a couple of rounds of this, start really, really swelling up. The technique and the tactic was working like the a fucking charm. The speed of Muhammad Ali is... Un- like, I feel like it's difficult because, obviously, old-timey movies always... like Black and white film always looks a bit weird and like speed warpy. Mm. But, like, when you... I think until you watch other heavyweights, like, when you watch, like, fucking... Even now, like, someone like Tyson Fury sort of lumbering around. Very slow, yeah. And then you just see this guy who really is like lightning. It's like he is lightning, and he's massive as well. He's big as well. He's a big guy. Yeah, I mean, I watched this fight last night, and it was in color, and it was fucking awesome. Um, And yeah, also just the videos. If if no one's ever, I'm sure almost everyone listening to this would have seen it. But just type in like Muhammad Ali dodge punch. And just there's like a really, really famous like 20 second clip where he's on the where... thing again. Like, he's got his teeth like this. So it's like, yeah, yeah. And it's just like Foreman is just wailing on him and not a single punch touches the like touches him. No. It's nuts. And even if they do, they're only like glancing. They're not really like yeah. because Ali knows he's got to avoid that massive punch because that will just fucking knock him out. Um, and so, yeah, Ali's fucking hitting back with all these flurries and laying on the skill and really putting the damage on the big guy. So now Foreman's getting tired and he's getting hurt as well. So Ali's actually doing damage at the same time. And it was at this point that Ali actually started talking to George Foreman during the fight. And he would say stuff like, they told me you could punch George and they told me you could punch as hard as Joe Lewis. And even and according to George Foreman, this is a quote from the man himself. I thought he was just one more knockout victim until about the seventh round. I hit him hard to the jaw and he held on to me and whispered in my ear. That all you got, George? 
I realised that this ain't what I thought it was. Ali was fucking putting it on George Foreman at this point. Like, everyone thought Ali was the lamb to the slaughter, but this lamb has grown into a fucking behemoth and is stomping this line to death. Now, we enter the eighth round. And George Foreman is so fucking knackered and beaten up that his hands are literally pillows at this point. Like, he's not doing fuck all in terms of hitting Ali and hurting him whatsoever. And so, as Foreman tries to push Ali back to the ropes again, Ali sees his chance, and he unloads with a devastating combination of punches, moving him into the middle of the ring. You know this is like the finishing, the finishing blow, because as he's, as he's hitting him... He's like almost pushing Foreman into the middle of the ring. Like, this is where it's going to end, right in the center. And he unloads this combination and finishes it off with a fucking straight right hand, right on the kisser. Boom! And if you watch the video, it's really famous. As he hits, when he hits him with his right hand, Foreman just instantly starts to collapse. And you see Atlee yeah. like shaking his hand because he's not, he's like holding back from hitting him with punches as he's going down. And Foreman said that he knew what kind of a man Ali was when he didn't hit him with those punches as he was going down. Like, he just knew mm. that one was enough. Bang, he's out. Yeah. And that's where that very, very famous photo comes from, where there's a guy laying on the f- canvas and Ali's kind of stood over them like this. That yeah. is that punch. And he's punch. like screaming. Yeah, that is that punch. I Boy, thought, he's I thought, dropped the giant. I could have sworn that was the other punch, the six second one, where they thought he took a dive. The other guy. Well, there's a couple that look very similar, but the one where he's like this, that's from the Foreman fight, where he's like... Okay. You have to have a look, look at it, actually. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find it. Is that George Foreman? What, when he's, like, got that, like, thing, and he's staring down? No, not that thing, no, not yeah, that one. That's he's kind of like this, he's kind of got his hands up. Okay. That's... No, not that one. That one, no, that one's a different one. This one, he's kind of got his like hands up. He's got like this, like one of his left hands, kind of like shaking in the video. It's like shaking because he's like ready to hit him with another one, but he just he holds back. He's kind of stood over him. Uh, I can't seem to find it. Yeah, and like George is like falling head first. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Face down. Yeah. But there are so many iconic photos from that fight. And George Foreman fucking he hits the canvas like the giant has toppled the forty and O monster the knockout machine like he's down ha- like what Ali's won the fight the star and legend has now become an icon of sports forever and actually interestingly after this fight there was talk of a rematch for years and George Foreman said he hated Ali he just fucking only had hate in his heart for him. And then one day, I can't remember the exact thing now, he was talking to somebody and he kind of just realised, like he snapped, snapped in some realisation that he could never win that fight. Like he just, I can't go back and win that fight. We're never going to have a rematch. I'm never going to beat him. Like he's just the better man. And so then they kind of reached out together and they became literally best friends. Like George Foreman said, he never knew a human being better than he knew Muhammad Ali after that. They were absolute best friends. Wow. And there's a moment in like, I think like the 1999 Olympics or something, uh, Oscars, where the movie about this particular fight won an Oscar. 
and George Foreman is helping Ali up to the podium to to help collect the award because obviously Ali's really suffering from Parkinson's at this point and he can't can't barely walk. And George Foreman's like ushering him up like that, arm in arm, as like brothers, which is, makes this moment even more incredible. That after this fight, they they still manage it's to like, become incredible. It's like friends. Rocky and uh, Apollo Creed in uh, in Rocky. Mm. Mm. Well, this didn't this. Didn't this fight inspire that, or is that another fight? Uh, Rocky's about like Rocky's like an amateur kind of fighter, and he's fighting the world champion. That's like what it's about. No, the uh, the Ivan one of the Rocky fights. It might be Ivan Drago actually is inspired by real, oh. like real events where they they kind of took that storyline and like the big guy and all this and like shifting to me. But I don't know. Right. You'll have to have a look at that. But that's it. That's my pick. Not Liverpool. Champions League, whatever. I mean, it's a great the, the The rumble in the jungle. I think that this fight is obviously massive. It's a big fight. Um, it's one of the best moments in sports ever. But I also think that it's just even more important for what it did to Ali in, like, raising him. He was already big, but putting him to the fucking, like, orbit in terms of being an absolute legend. Like, imagine if he didn't win this fight and he didn't do the rope with though, but after all the chat and all this, like if he couldn't beat this Goliath and in the way that he did switching up his tactics mid-fight, inventing the rope-a-dope technique and doing all this crazy shit, he cemented himself as, like Seb said earlier, the greatest sports personality of all time. And so it's, you know, the greatest sports personality of all time in history. This moment, this defining moment has got to be up there as probably the greatest sport moment of all time. I th- it's a, yeah the the I think what people never realize about Muhammad Ali and I didn't really realize until really recently is that like I think people always talk about him like because of the whole draft thing almost like he missed the peak of his career like it's kind of like yeah. I think people almost get mixed up between him and Mike Tyson because obviously Mike Tyson's career did kind of falter after the prison thing like i know he came back and had that really big fight but he was never the same fighter than before he went in yeah whereas ali his career actually peaked after yeah the drafting which i think i didn't really realize because obviously i kind of assumed that beating big george and then getting that um win the two wins again over joe fraser because he obviously they had the trilogy and he ended up kind of being you know, he he ends up being the bigger, the better, the better fighter over that trilogy. He beats Joe Fraser twice, um, and like I kind of assumed all of that happened before the draft, no, but it actually that happened all after, happens after, which yeah, is kind so of mad. They, when yeah, the reality is he didn't miss his peak in terms of like right, this is where his career peaked. He missed his peak years as an athlete really because he that four years was from like twenty three, twenty four to like twenty seven, twenty eight. Mm. Yeah, so obviously yeah, like in terms of athleticism. so he'd missed out in the ring of his like peak years as an athlete in terms of his physical and everything else, but not the peak of his career because obviously that's kind of not really subjective. But yeah, like when do you peak? When's the best moment of your career? Right now. It's 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 kind of mad because you've picked two really different picks that are like it's really hard because I think that in terms of a pure sporting moment, it's really hard to argue with like Muhammad Ali knocking down Big George like that is knock him out knocking knocking out Big George Foreman like Sparker's blood boom like it is crazy and like obviously his attitude towards going like going into that fight and kind of he. 
he really embodies that like weird. I don't know if we talked about this before, but that almost like tangible thing about like so much self belief that it's almost like he kind of just willed it into existence. Like he couldn't lose, if that makes sense. Mm. Like a bit like you know that we talked about before. Like you know when you see Messi or Ronaldo taking a taking like the penalty that will seal the game or you know and you're like there's no doubt in your mind that it that it that it works because you're like well yeah they yeah. are just like almost destined for greatness in that moment and like the rope dope is fucking what just watch it just google it it's insane it's crazy mm. like just, and the fact that it like i'm sure it had been done before maybe in training but not it well, not really do you know what i mean it's he's that is widely credited as this is the birth of that technique and also like i would say probably the the defining moment of arguably the golden age of boxing. Like obviously there was a, it carried on as a sort of big, big sport until like the two thousands and then really petered out. But like, you know, what a moment. Um, but then on the other hand, in terms of like impact and cultural significance, like there's no one moment of like Jesse Owens fucking running real quick or whatever, but like, his I mean, he won gold. impact. It's like yeah, no, and four golds. Yeah, yeah, four golds, four Olympic records. Um, did yeah, pretty well. No, which is incredible, <laughs> and I think that's the thing. Is like it's a sporting moment, and like as a moment, it's that is wild to like to. I think have. I think it's a great sporting moment on its own, but then with the the context of it being in the yeah. cultural significance in behind Nazi it, Nazi Germany, the adds, adds that like. That I was going to say. Do you know what? I, what I does was, that even uh, mean? I mean it's the, well, that's the whole point. I don't point. know what. It's the, I don't know what. It translates. It's that kind of uh, intangible. The je ne sais quoi is that feeling you get before fucking Messi takes a free kick that you know is going in before he's even a hit little it. Bit of spice, it's that kind of like that, like you can't put your finger on it. Just that tingly feeling of like. Is that like Darwin Nunes has taken a shot? Will it go in? Je ne sais quoi. No, no, it's the opposite. <laughs> 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 it's the exact no. Darwin Nunes has no je ne sais quoi he is like the opposite of je ne sais quoi he's like I know what um, but my my opinion on it would be as follows is as follows thank you I think I think Muhammad Ali would be looking down on me with shame and raining fists of anger if I didn't name Jesse Owens as the greatest sporting achievement of uh sporting if i didn't name jesse owens as the greatest sporting moment um him doing what he did at the 36 olympics like given everything that ali stood for and everything he did for <sighs> you're such a prick you can't bring that into it no you i can't, can't like put the guilt trip on of like you don't know that <laughs> no i do know that and like because of that like like if you said to muhammad ali what's a bigger Fucking sporting asshole. moment Jesse Owens winning four gold medals at the 36 Olympics in front of Adolf Hitler and making him wave like a little fangirl or you knocking out George Foreman, he would, Ali would say Jesse Owens. Yeah, probably, but you can't bring that into it, man. <laughs> I, 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 I can and I will. And, and that's my, that's my opinion. It's, it's one of those ones where it's really difficult. I can't think of mm. a single sporting nah, moment along those lines that has such cultural significance yeah. i mean the only one i could think of is football related and it's shalabala Shal that guy shalabalaba whatever his name is scoring at the south africa world cup 
with the PC. Yeah, but I mean, that was still only one goal, didn't have any real... But yeah, like, it, it, even that, like, you know, when Peter Jury's commentary about, like, this divided nation coming together and, like, all mm. that, like, to, I think, obviously, like, yeah, racial tension is, like, it doesn't get much bigger and more significant than that. And to take that on and to disprove the ideology of such a vile group is, like, you know, what what more do you want? Like, how are you supposed to... How do you top that? It's up there. Yeah. I do think that, there. like, obviously, you know, Muhammad Ali stood on the shoulders of Jesse Owens and, you know, like, that, you know, even the name Rumble in the Jungle was, like, a big deal. Like, the fact that it was going on in Zaire between these two, like, big black athletes who were, like, you know, looked on as gods is, is it was an amazing moment in its own right in terms of, like, that side of sport. But... I don't think, you know, what the fuck, man? There's pictures of Jesse Owens at school doing his doing his arm in the air, fucking let's go. What do you want? Yeah. I would have won had I could have if I could have picked my original pick. If you think that I would have picked Istanbul 2005 <laughs> over Jesse Owens. No. I was going to I was going to pick um Liverpool beating Barcelona for the Anfield in 2019. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> corner taken quickly, Origi. <laughs> I mean that is. I mean, I if if you're talking about pictures, you can hear. I can hear Cornyn taking quickly a Rigi like in my head, but yeah. <laughs> um, I just don't think it gets bigger than than Jesse Owens. No, you're what, right. What, it probably man, doesn't. You know. <laughs> it doesn't. But a valid, valid competition, a great sportsman-like competition, I have to say. Actually, two really interesting. What a fucking... I've really enjoyed like the last couple of episodes. Been really interesting. Like again, like I didn't know any of yeah, that because you keep. You won't let me pick like Liverpool on that. But that's the thing. I think I think we've had a nice little. We had a bit of a moment where we were like, right, let's stop doing so many joke answers and like take it a bit seriously again. And you know what? Yeah. I feel like the quality's improved a bit. Like you know, just like it's a kind of almost like if we take it seriously, there is a bit more to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week for greatest porn star <laughs> two. <laughs> um. But or yeah. Vinny's original original uh, pitch, top six, pedophile. My original pick. Oh, fucking Savile's top. Anyway, um, what are we doing next week, Vinny? <laughs> we are doing greatest scientific discovery. It's uh, you two Oof. against each other. Walk versus Sebek. Fuck, man. I'm already, I'm already, I'm already riffing in my brain. The atom bomb? Is that a discovery or is that an what invention? Well, discovering nuclear f- fusion is a discovery. That's a discovery, yeah. They didn't invent nuclear fusion. It's a no, 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 but you said, you like, said that the atomic the bomb. Sun? Yeah, but discovering nuclear fusion led to the atomic bomb, but also led to nuclear power. Mm, well, no, that's a that's, uh, fission that we use. Well, thanks for listening. Um, big up, Joey, Joey Essex. Just <laughs> fucking hell, man, come on. Big Dude, up. that is the biggest <laughs> insult of this episode. Right, who's more culturally significant, Jesse Owens or Joey Essex? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate Joey Essex. He's a fucking brat. Um, but no, uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Don't forget to give us a little watch on YouTube. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to follow us to the supermarket. And I've been Seb. They've been Mork and Vinny. Thanks for listening. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Wicked, wicked jungle. Jungle is massive.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.